another edition of the Searchers Podcast. I'm Ben, your host, and joining me this week we have Chris. Say hi, Chris. Hey, everybody. Hey, hey. And uh, we also have Mr. Kevin with us. Hey, dudes. What's what's going on, man? Uh, and this week, not much. This week, Kevin. Uh, it was Kevin's pick, so I'll let him uh, introduce. What are we watching? Yes, guys. So it was my pick. A during this stellar Christmas season, we picked "Remember the Night" and "Remember the Night" uh, from nineteen forty, directed by Mitchell Leeson, Lyson, and written by the one and only Preston Sturgis, who people may know uh, helmed classics such as Sullivan's Travels and the Palm Beach Story, uh, but this time acting only as writer before his heyday as writer and director, wrote Remember the Night. And this tale is a takes place during a Christmassy winter in New York City. A and during that time a very, very beautiful, sultry shoplifter named Lee Leander, played by a very cute Barbara Stanwyck, is arrested after stealing an expensive bracelet. And so the district attorney uh, named John Sargent, played by Fred McMurray, is assigned to prosecute Lee. But due to the trial occurring close to Christmas, everyone's in such holiday spirits that he knows they will acquit her. So with such conniving skills, he successfully gets the trial postponed until after Christmas. But too bad for Lee, that means she's going to have to spend the rest of Christmas in a jail cell. Well, guess what? It wasn't only the jury who was in great holiday spirit, but the DA himself, John Sargent, was feeling the Christmas love, and so he bails out Lee, lucky for her, and not only that, uh, after being the kind gentleman that he is, after getting to know her on a personal level, he decides to have her tag along with him and introduce her to his family for the holiday season. And it is there where love, humility, and joy reside, emotions of which Lee has never experienced in her life at all. And now, this is her chance. Will she? Will love now blossom between the lawgiver and the lawbreaker? Hmm, well, you are in for a delight when you see Remember the Night. And so that is just a little summary of the film. Didn't want to get into spoilers too much. But... It is a a movie that I feel uh, people need to... It's one of the films that people need to see every Christmas season besides all the generic stuff like Elf. Uh, I don't want to count It's a Wonderful Life as a generic thing. That's a great film. But, you know, people keep talking about the same Christmas movies every single year. Hey, what did you see earlier? Oh, I saw Elf. Uh, I saw The Santa Claus. Uh, I, saw, I think Christmas there story. are... Yeah, Christmas Home Story, alone. which... Home Alone. I love all of those, but I th- there is such a vast multitude of Christmas kino out there that people need to look for, search for, and I don't think you'll be disappointed at all. Uh, you know, so Remember the Night falls into that category of films, uh, you know, an old film from the 1940s, 1940 to be exact, that people just need to check out and see because... I don't know. It's like I always every year it's the same exact stuff that I hear. But, you know, remember the night we had I was thinking about other Christmas films to uh, pick from for us to look over. And I couldn't help but choose remember the night. Uh, 
seems to be a fitting uh, film that people need to discover. And so, yeah, uh, it's a film that I I really do love. I really do cherish it. I love watching it. Uh, and this was your guys' first time seeing the film. Is that right? That's correct. That's right. Yep. So, Chris, what did you, yeah. So what did you what, what did you guys think of it? I thought it was it, it it's a charming film. Absolutely. Mhm. Charming film from the 40s and I can understand how it's an it, it could be an iconic romance film. I like Barbara Stanwyck, I like Fred McMurray. I am otherwise unfamiliar with the director Michael Leeson, and I am somewhat familiar with Preston Sturges. I know that he actually won an Oscar, his only Oscar, I believe, in 1940, same year that Remember the Night came out, and that was for The Great McGinty. That's about all I know. That's a film I need to see from him. I think that was early Preston Sturges. but yes. yeah, he's he's known for his uh his rapid fire dialogue and his very quick directing. He's a very clever uh director. And Remember the Night was uh, as a little bit of trivia. That this this film was actually his I believe last film that he had written only uh cuz he became writer director later on, but this is the last film that he wrote and allowed for another filmmaker to helm the film. Oh, to so, direct his material. To direct his, exa- exactly. So interesting. He he was actually he was actually disappointed with the way it turned out, with the way Remember the Night turned out. He didn't like the cuts that Mitchell uh, Leeson made to his story. He didn't like uh, the removal of certain things. He didn't like moving around certain parts of the film. And so do that you, inspired you, him. Do you yeah. know which parts were uh, cut out specifically, or I, is it? I or... I think yeah. I I think there might have been more dialogue scenes with Fred McMurray, if I remember correctly. There there might have been more monologue scenes, uh, with with him specifically. And Mitchell Leeson, Leeson, uh, I try to pronounce his name, but I think he I'm going to look that up for us. Yeah, please do. I, I would think before I, I would, piss yeah. someone else off by pronouncing Kubrick Kubrick in another episode. But anyway, <laughs> uh, <laughs> but anyway, yeah, he he actually removed dialogue parts for Fred McMurray, and mo- if I remember correctly, he relied more so on Fred's naturally quiet sensibility. Fred. I th- he's the kind of actor, I believe, who doesn't really need to say much of anything to get a point across. You know, you just look at him and you know what he's saying. But Preston Sturgis is really known for rapid-fire dialogue. And like I said, so I think Fred had more of that in the film. And Mitchell, the director, took it out. And the same might have gone for Barbara Stanwyck as well. So that I know. Yeah, yeah, for that stuff I know. Honestly, but, I think that yeah. probably... If if Sturgis would have directed it, it probably would have been better in my opinion because I think there, think, yeah. I think there was a I think there was a little bit of um, in the second act there was a bit missing where it's like there's a bit of context missing and maybe that maybe that's I I don't know specifically 
if that's what Preston Sturges was complaining about. But I think that there mm-hmm. there could have been like two or three more scenes of character building development between the um the two leads because I think there's just like it's not jarring, but when you watch a lot of movies, you kind of notice when you go from one point to the next, it's almost like there's something missing. I think that's it's not totally oh. it's not totally obvious, but I do think that if Preston Sturgis was mad about that and that this movie is what caused him to never let someone else direct a movie by him ever again, then I'm, I think that it's, it makes sense to me now because I, it makes sense. Right. I thought there was just a little bit of, I'm like, what, you know, not, there was just something missing. I don't know. It's, um, that's interesting. You say that. Yeah. Because I mean, I think I can, I can perceive what you're getting at, but I don't, I don't know because I don't know what it is with me. Like, I just, I, I really do love the film. It's so charming. It's so, the moments of sweetness hit to a, to such a certain degree. And when you take into account uh, the background, when, you, you, when he reveals what Lee's background is, a rough childhood, a mother who never cared for her, her father died, and she becomes this uh, this shoplifter. And you see that she lacked all that necessary familial care in her life. She never knew anyone who loved her. She never really knew what happiness and joy really felt like. So when it comes to uh, when it comes to her meeting John's family, that sweetness hits to such a degree, and they're just you know you can see them just doing mundane stuff like you know baking, talking, uh, singing, and the, something about that just hits to a certain degree. That maybe because of that, I kind of forgot about the uh, technical issues when it comes to storytelling. Um, but that that is interesting. And yeah, I mean, it wasn't uh, what I was going to say earlier. It wasn't just Preston Sturgis who was pissed off with uh, Mitchell Eason. Mitchell Eason angered another writer who eventually became a really popular and beloved writer and director. And that was Billy Wilder, who you guys all know, The Apartment, yes. uh, Love in the Afternoon. Uh, Double Indemnity, another uh, one of the one of the best uh, Fred McMurray and Barbara Stanwyck collaborations after Remember the Night, uh, Double Indemnity, written and directed by Billy Wilder. But Billy Wilder uh, wrote a film called Midnight, starring Claudette Colbert and Don Amici. And that was helmed by, by Mitchell Leeson as well. And same thing happened with Pre- like, just as with Preston Sturgis on Remember the Night. Billy Wilder got angry with what Mitchell Leeson did to his script. So that inspired him to become a director himself. No one's going to handle my material ever again. I'm going to be the one to direct that material. So it's so interesting. <laughs> it's like, you know, th- this one director was just ruined. That's, uh, that's as good a reason as any. It, yeah, exactly. But, you know, honestly, uh, when I look at it, yeah, I think about, well, you know, what could have been had it been like, as you said, Ben, if Preston Sturgis had uh, not only written but directed Remember the Night, if Billy Wilder had directed Midnight, you know, that could have been quite something. Just knowing his uh, knowing his flair, knowing his directorial style. But, you know, I think Mitchell has, you know, he's got a few uh, tricks up his sleeve, too. And I still think, you know, that both films were not necessarily bad films, per se. I think they still worked. But... Yeah, there's always yeah. that curiosity. What could have been, you know, what could have been had this person uh, helmed this, uh, this, this film? And you know, well, I, 
I think yeah. I've before we before we go on here, I think I might have a pronunciation. Ooh. Lay it on me, Chris. Did you guys hear that? What was it? That could have just came from my computer, so maybe you didn't hear that. Oh, no. no. All right, I'm getting Mitchell Lysen. Lysen. That's how it is. Okay, so I just pronounced it wrong maybe seven times earlier. <laughs> For the last 10 minutes. And I so didn't Kubrick, 10 I, minutes. Kubrick, <laughs> Kubrick, and, whatever. And you know what? Kubrick, I called how about him, that? I believe I called him Michael once so we're on a great great role <laughs> we're on a great for, start for, 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 for the record you also Merry said Christmas. you also said john john Sargent, and it's jack Sargent, but whatever well, well no no it's, it's john and jack is well jack's his nickname, nickname. Yeah, his nickname that's but, his nickname yeah so i didn't get it wrong but he's can he, let that one but, slide but he's built as he's built as jack so i was like okay you were well. sa- <laughs> you were saying it and i i was just thinking like oh shit uh, whatever, I'll, I'll let it go. And then, since we're since we're putting hey, things on the record, Paul John F. Kennedy, Jack, I can do the same. Do we do we need to get anything else off the top here with any of these more any of these names in the cast before we continue? <laughs> uh, no, I think that I think that, I we think got, that's we it. Got, we got Beulah, we got Beulah Bondi. That's that's good. That's yeah. good. <laughs> that's Sterling not what I would have said. Sterling you wouldn't Holloway. have said Beulah. Beulah? Uh, yeah, Beula. it's Beulah. Oh, you know, Beula. the funny thing is, like, Beula. before I called yeah, her Beulah, okay, okay. I'm that's such phonetic. an idiot. I called her Beulah Bondi uh, when I was talking uh, about her with a friend. Uh, Beulah. Before this, I said Beulah. I'm like, what the? I meant Beulah. <laughs> well, I'm wow. glad I uh, said that I'm first. so killing it right now with these names. And uh, we, anyway. of course, know we already got Babs and we got McMurray. Yes, we got so, Babs. uh. You can never mispronounce. Oh, yeah. I guess that's another thing we need to get on the record. We've talked about her in literally every episode. We've I'm fin- sorry. We're finally, we're finally covering her. the first we're movie. Finally, we're finally covering the first movie. Evan's true yeah. love. Yes. Oh. For anyone who doesn't know. Yeah. Kevin's in love. Yeah. Uh, yes. Hey. Yeah, so I, did, the, I didn't mean throw to Throw the rice and confetti already. Didn't mean to derail the conversation no, there. I love it. I love no, it. It's okay. You love to, to see make it. sure that we were saying exactly. Wanted to make sure we were saying it right. Yes. And now we know it is Mitchell no. Lysen. Mitchell Lysen. Yeah. Which actually has a way better ring to it than Leeson. the other Leeson. way. Leeson. Jackie. Leeson. Jackie yeah. Leeson. <laughs> His uh, estranged cousin. Yes. Yeah. Jackie Mitchell Gle- Mitchell Gleason. Mitchell Gleason. <laughs> Uh, but yeah any, anyway so, yeah uh that, that um well kevin so yeah i'll just i'll just sort of take what you were saying uh-huh. you earlier mentioned mcmurray and how yeah and how he handles himself in this movie and how mm-hmm. many folks don't if you were to ask people and they were if you were to ask people what their favorite christmas movie is or a movie mm-hmm. that they watch every year Remember the night would not be one of them. No, maybe definitely it, not. <laughs> maybe, maybe in our circle of a friend, friends, yeah. it could be. But uh-huh. or if you know a cinephil or two in your own life, you would probably get that as a as a partial answer. But possibly it doesn't yeah. get doesn't get mentioned. And I think my mm-hmm. biggest takeaway from the movie is a realization I've always had. I suppose that Fred McMurray is never brought up in the conversation of great actors from the classic golden age of Hollywood. And it's sort of true because he he's in big movies, but 
I don't think he's ever really talked about performance wise. He's well, didn't well didn't he, he get he, didn't he I get, don't know why either. No, yeah. I think I do know why. Well, what is it? Didn't he get relegated at some point with Disney where he just played like the old dad yeah. character for like literally yes. 15 fucking yes. movies? Well, that, I know, that's a great, that, that, that that's a great point, it, but think, it, it yeah. wasn't, I don't, I don't know if it was movies, but yes, you were exactly right that he was typecast because he mm-hmm. starred in My Three Sons with William Demarest and, and Steve Douglas and Fergus Douglas, I believe are their names, but he, he was certainly typecast later in his career from yeah. around 1960 onward. Yeah, that for I, sure. It, it probably happened. Playing the good dad, yeah. It probably happened right right after the apartment because he was the bad guy there, and he probably was like, "Oh, people didn't like me." He probably thought people well, that people didn't want me to be yeah. the bad guy. Actually, you know what? You're you're bringing back some trivia that my mom has told me in the past because what? me and <laughs> she and I both love the apartment, and she's told me in the past that when he did the apartment, he got so much backlash for that because really? he had he had already established himself. Even though he had done a movie like Double Indemnity years before, but he, he wasn't he wasn't really had, the, he, he wasn't he wasn't the bad guy in Double Indemnity. He was just like a a dummy who fell for the yeah. femme fatale. Exactly. Well, f- f- fair fair enough, fair enough. But he had already established himself as the sort of all American father, and when he had played the bad guy in the apartment, he had gotten a major backlash for that, and he said he would never do it again. Oh, that's interesting. I didn't know that. And I mean, uh, I don't know what exactly came first, though, because I'm almost positive my three sons came out right around the time the apartment came out. I want to say it was all 1960. So uh, I'm looking right now. He was. It would in, be interesting. Yeah, sooner or later, he was in something. He was in Son of Flubber. Uh, he was in. I'm. I'm seeing like a sort of the uh, the drastic change after the apartment here. I'm not seeing okay. my three sons on here. I mean, I'm, maybe I'm not looking hard enough, but my um, three sons but, but, is I, I I'm seeing it right in front of me now. It's 1960 to 1972. So oh, 1960 okay. that 1960, oh, that's, it's that's, television. That's, yeah, okay, exactly. And it's the I'm sorry, you didn't know that. Yeah, I didn't um, know. That. <laughs> I knew of my three sons. I just didn't know it was a show. It's it was a big TV show. Yes, and uh, that started exactly the year the apartment came out. So. Oh, okay. All right. Fun yeah, facts. But Fred McMurray, what could ben, have been? Yeah, I mean, Ben, you bring up a great point. I mean, I I, I, I don't know. I am if... not a, I'm not a Fred McMurray like expert at all. I've seen a couple of his movies and there are a couple of uh so I, all the movies I've seen with him are between like 1940 and and I've seen The Apartment, but the other two or three have all been around 1940 to uh, double indemnity. Earlier. When, did, when did that come out? 51 or, or earlier? I forget I, at this point. Double, double indemnity. indemnity. 44. Okay. So most of the yeah. stuff I've seen from him was in the forties, but before that and into the forties and early fifties, he was in a lot of Westerns that I actually have that I want to watch. Uh, one with one directed by um, Henry Hathaway called the trail of the lonesome pine. And that's from 36. Uh, that's the Texas Rangers, which is directed by King Vidor or Vidor. I think it's Vidor. Uh, oh, <laughs> I don't know, but yeah, uh, directed in ninth again, 1936. And then, 
Uh, this is a little later, but The Far Horizons, 1955, that's directed by Rudolf Mate, who we brought up again. Another connection to Barbara Stanwyck, The Violent Men. Yes. Excellent fucking Western. I love that movie. Uh, I can't wait to get but, to it. So he's in all these yeah. he's in all these movies as like this good guy. And then I just kind of put two and two together. Like, hey, he played this evil, scummy freaking guy who was cheating on... Somehow he was cheating on somebody. I for, like the apartment. I've seen it once. I kind of forget the exact plot, but he was a bad guy, right? That's that's a favorite of mine. Yeah. So yeah, uh, he's a boss of a big company, and he is having an affair with Shirley MacLaine, who works as one of the elevator girls at the company that he works for. And Jack Lemon is one of the workers under Fred McMurray's character, and we find out that he that Jack Lemon has a love interest for Shirley MacLaine and he learns he later learns that they're 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 having a, the other Fred McMurray and her are having a relationship already and other more stuff happens but we don't have to get into that but yes he yeah. he was basically a a scumbag so to, <laughs> yeah. to me yeah. it just kind of made sense <laughs> when like imagine i mean John Wayne for example in movies, not a bad, I think Red River, you could consider him a bad guy, but other than that, not really a bad guy almost ever. No. Can you imagine if early, semi-early in his career, like let's say 19, I don't know, he broke big with Stagecoach 1939. Let's say 1947, he plays like a really scummy bad guy. Do you think his career would have gone the way it did? No. So, because back then, movie stars were icons, right? And yes. a, lot, a lot of guys, right. unfortunately, were typecast just because that's the way the studio system worked. When you were, hey, you put out a movie, it was st- extremely successful. All right, well, we're not going to redo the formula now. We're doing the same thing over again because we're going to make money. And that's just how it is. So, yes, he kind of got yes. pigeon- he got kind of pigeonholed because, as you said, your mom, uh, Chris, your mom told you that that happened. It makes sense. He just kind of retreated to television for a decade. That kind of makes that makes sense to me. Uh, yes, I think the pieces fit. They mm-hmm. go together there. And he let's not forget, he was also the dad in the Shaggy Dog. Yeah, movie, <laughs> which is one of those Disney movies. Another that, Disney movie. Yeah. 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 So very lighthearted comedies. My my main point about bringing Fred McMurray up and tying it to what Kevin said earlier, though is that he's never talked about as one of the great actors of his era and he he could handle comedy he of course could be the straight guy but he could totally be cutthroat and scummy and that sort of range is underappreciated for him yeah i was going to say the same exact thing it's like you, you know you, you've got other character you've got other actors like what ben mentioned john wayne and you have others uh, Gary Cooper, you've got Jimmy Stewart of the time. I think Harry they've Grant. got good, yeah, Cary Grant, and they've got good range too, I believe. But Fred McMurray seems to, I think, more so than those those leading men, he seems to disappear a bit better into his roles. And, and I guess, in a way, he's sort of kind of leaning towards the idea of a character actor, if that's fair to say. But mm-hmm. he's sort of in between the leading man and the character actor. As a leading man, he's got the look. He's got he's Square got everything job, there. Yeah, exactly. Face. As, yeah. A, a, having said that, he was the he was the template for 
well, you see, this character used to be known as Captain Marvel under DC uh, and another company, but Shazam, uh, before he was known as Shazam, was known as Captain Marvel. Fred McMurray's uh, look, he was the template for that character's design. He lo- if you look at early, early uh, drawings, he looks exactly like Fred, Fred McMurray. So I, mm. I don't know. It's like he... I don't know. Yeah, I, it's it sucks because he has that range, but as you said, Chris, underappreciated. So then, eventually, I his certainly career think. Kind of, yeah, I certainly think he's underappreciated. I I, I, I agree every, with you. Yeah, in every circle that I've ever talked film in, he uh-huh. is definitely not mentioned when it comes to performances or even credit. Yeah, I agree with you. <laughs> you know, I agree with you. People talk about double indemnity, and even though he was sort of just the dummy on the side, I mean, there's oh, an I thought, aspect to I be thought, praised there. I thought he was great in that movie. I, yeah, I thought he was great in that movie, exactly. too. I love double indemnity. Exactly. I love double indemnity. Double indemnity, I think I had to give it a second uh, watch uh, to appreciate it even more. I think for the first time I saw it, I was still sort of, you know, getting back into, uh, well, getting into more of Billy Wilder's uh, material. And also, uh, well, I mean, I've I've always loved old movies, but around the time that mm-hmm. I first saw Double Indemnity, it was I think during a time when I was just getting into more and more old movies, and a, a perfect time that was like during the pandemic when I was sick with COVID. So like, hey, I have TCM at my disposal here in my room alone because <laughs> I'm sick with COVID. So here we go. And, Give it up. Yeah, exactly. So Fred McMurray, yeah, I I, I do think he needs to be uh, appreciate or acknowledged a bit more because he is Agreed. a good lead. I think he is a very, very good leading man. And I have to say though, because, okay. Yeah. Did we talk about, did, did was somehow Barbara Stanwyck's name just slid through somehow in every single episode that we've done so far? Yes. Correct. Uh, yeah, sh- <laughs> I think sorry. that's correct. Well, I, okay, I, I, will, I, I will say one yeah. of those, I, I purposely instigated one of those. In at you least did because you wanted you wanted me to get to her. <laughs> so uh, yeah. Well, I can let it all out now. It's, it's the, well, culmin- the, cul- the culmination of eight episodes. So there you go. Uh, hey, if if we lettuce, ever if we ever hit it if we ever hit it big right and there's and there's a merch that we can come out with we can mm-hmm. we can make a t shirt with Kevin's affection for Babs somehow <laughs> on a shirt. <laughs> Oh God! I'm gonna have to like let a friend figure that figure out how to draw that. But I don't <laughs> exactly. Oh jeez. Oh, we'll just we'll just take the double indemnity poster and just put your. We'll just take a picture of your face and put it on there as like a. Meme. We can either do that, either do that one, or we can take remember the night and just plaster Kevin's face over. Fred just replace face. Fred. Oh, here we go. We're gonna we're gonna we're gonna continue obscuring Fred McMurray. <laughs> Yes. Oh my goodness <laughs> gracious. Okay. Well, Ben, write that down because I think we're gonna do it sometime. <laughs> Perfect. Very but easy. Anyway, I was gonna say though, on the uh, you know, just kind of adding to the uh, topic of Fred McMurray, uh let's uh, Oh sorry, I, I, I gotta say this. Yeah. What we're gonna do yeah. is is take the Remember the Night poster and put it on a shirt, but it's gonna be Be Barbara Stanwick. You, your your face is going to be photoshopped in, and it's going to say Shit. at the top, Barbara Stanwyck, Kevin, <laughs> Kevin Chan. Remember, remember, it's going to be called say, remember the Babs. Shit. There it is. <laughs> okay. 
Okay, okay, okay. Did you write that down? Don't forget it. We'll, we'll remember we're, it. We're recording it. Recording it. So we're it's recording fine. it. You know what okay, I'm saying? It's there for posterity. Yeah, that's very true. I forgot about it. <laughs> but anyway, anyway, yes, I can't wait for that to happen. But, um, you know, just adding to the fact that we're talking about one lead of Remember the Night, Fred McMurray, I guess I can finally get into talking about Barbara Stanwyck now. So <laughs> it's funny because uh, the first... The, the first time that I saw Barbara Stanwyck on screen was in Double Indemnity. And so that, yeah, that was my first, my first film in which I saw Barbara Evan, Stanwyck. Yeah. Can I ask you, was it Love at First Sight? Uh, yeah, that was, I was going to get into that. It wasn't exactly Love at First Sight. Really? Okay, all right. Really? Please, please no, not, not exactly, no. Yeah, not exactly. I think really, well, you know, I guess it's fair. Why? Because in, well, Double Indemnity, I guess I wasn't as stupid as as uh, Fred McMurray's character <laughs> there. I didn't fall for her uh, right away. I liked her. I thought she was great. Um, But let's look at some, some uh, facets of Double Indemnity. She's playing a completely evil woman. A completely evil evil woman in double indemnity on top of that she's clearly got a wig on uh and um you know it was in my opinion subdued barbara stanwick very subdued very subtle but yet very evil and you know the character it just didn't really i i, I wasn't really much into noirs at the time they didn't really grab me and so you know that movie came about and uh so again this was during the pandemic, uh, nowhere to go, because I couldn't. <laughs> and the next film on TCM that I had recorded was uh, Howard Hawks' Ball of Fire. And really quickly, going back to what I said earlier about Preston Sturgis being angry with Mitchell Lysen about uh, what he did to his script from Remember the Night, and also what happened with Billy Wilder and uh, what Mitchell Lysen did with his script for Midnight. The same thing happened with Ball of Fire, with Howard Hawks helming the film. From it, it was, uh, it was a film with you know with the script of Billy Wilder and Charles Brackett. Billy Wilder, same thing. He was angry with what Howard Hawks did with that script. But Ball of Fire is still a fantastic film. And so, uh, a friend of mine might be listening right now. But you know, I had all of these films at my disposal. And I, I gave him a list and I asked him, okay, look, I don't know which one to watch next, man. Like, well, which one should I go for? And then he said, at that time, I was already a fan of Hawks. I saw His Girl Friday. I saw Only Angels Have Wings. And he said, go for Ball of Fire. You might not like it, but, you know, it's a great, it's a fun screwball. Uh, Howard Hawks has Gary Cooper and Barbara Stanwyck. I'm like, okay, all right, yeah, I'll go for it. I don't know why, I, I, was, and I, I told him, I don't know why... Uh, you think I might not like it, but I'll give it a shot. I saw the film and I loved the hell out of that movie. It is such a funny screwball. It is charming. It's lovable. It's, you know, everything that you can think of. And not only did I fall in love with that film, that was where I fell in love with Barbara Stanwyck was her role as uh, Catherine O'Shea. Uh, funny thing there it is her nickname is. Her, her nick yeah her nickname in that film is sugar puss O'Shea. <laughs> it's the <fun> <laughs> it's the funniest nickname uh, damn it kevin 
What? What do you say? <laughs> Sugar puss. Yes, that's her nickname. It's her gosh, nickname in Bolivar. Yes. Oh my goodness gracious! Now I sound like a. Anyway, anyway, uh, yeah. So that was the film in which I really a... fell in love with uh, Barbara Stanwyck. It was she. She plays a a showgirl, and uh, she's trying to get away from from the feds, and she's sort of in deep with this mob boss. But you know, somehow, you know, like the only way that she can be she can be protected and not get arrested was to basically stay with Gary Cooper's character, who was a professor uh, seeking the... He was seeking the history of American slang, knowing about American slang, because him and a bunch of other professors living together in one, in one house were crafting a new encyclopedia. And Barbara Stanwyck's character was well-versed in American slang. She said words that even Gary Cooper's character had no idea what they meant. So she stays with them and he she gives him a sort of rundown on on what American slang what these words mean. And well, not to get too much into the movie, it basically leads into a romance and yada yada yada, you know. There you go. But it is such a fun film and just the charisma from Barbara Stanwyck in that film, what she can do with such subtlety, what she can do with humor and drama. It's like, my goodness. I mean, like there's just a, a twinkle in the eye, literally and figuratively from her character in that film. And I just, I, yeah, I fell head over heels for her in there in, in that film. Uh, That's an awesome film. story. Awesome yeah. story. <laughs> I hope I, I, well, I didn't know that I told it that well, but <laughs> I, I do want to say, yeah, I do want to say that I did not realize your love for Barbara Stanwyck was yeah. so recent. Yeah, I had yeah, imagined it was, it was, it was a. Recent. I imagined it was more of a lifelong ordeal. How uh, recent? recent? How recent? It feels, it, it, uh, twenty early twenty twenty. I believe you said okay, during the so lockdown. Okay, so. during the lockdown. Yeah, so twenty twenty. So it's been almost almost three years. I suppose almost three years. Yeah, recent, feels but it, recent. Yeah, it's recent, but it does feel lifelong. <laughs> Kevin, oh, there Kevin, it is. Have you, have you seen the the yeah. Furies? No, I have. I, I own oh, it though. Boy. I, 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 oh, is it great? Okay. I mean, I liked it, um, but yeah. it's one of those few westerns with a obviously female lead with Barbara Stanwyck. Um, uh, I'll that, watch anything. With I gave. I, I rated it a, a seven out of ten on Letterboxd. So for me, that's. Oh. For for a western, that's pretty good. Like it's it's not an outright classic for me, but I think you you you're, you're gonna like it a lot more than me, I think. And it's also directed by Anthony Mann, who did all those um, collaborations with uh, James Stewart. So yeah, yeah, yeah. And speaking like of James Stewart, like speaking of James Stewart and Christmas Kino, uh -huh. Shop on the Corner, loved it. Uh, yeah, I was going to ask you about that same thing. The Shop Around the Corner by Ernst Lubitsch. Yeah, that is a fantastic film. I mean, phenomenal. We could, we could cover a lot of Christmas it, it, yeah, Kino if throughout we, the years. If we didn't cover this, if we didn't cover Remember the Night, we were going to cover on the shop, the shop on the Corner. I love that oh, movie. I'm watching that it. every year now. Uh, yes. Hey, look at that. Love to hear it. <laughs> oh, I love to hear that. That's great. Yeah, Shop Around the Corner is... Uh, is fantastic. I Ernst grew Lubitsch. up with that movie. Oh, Chris, you, you really? Yeah. That was I grew up with that movie for Christmas as instead of 
that was really the Christmas movie for us over It's a Wonderful Dude. Life. And It's a Wonderful Life didn't come into my life until I was a teenager. A um, yeah, a little bit later. Shop Around the Corner was one I have early memories of watching because it was one of my mm. mom's favorite films. That's great. Yeah. So, you, yeah. So, I mean, Shop Around the Corner, I don't think is even on a lot of people's uh, lists for like what they watch on Christmas. I think that too. Uh, well, see, I think Remember the Night's a lot more obscure than Shop, but Shop definitely, I think, needs more love. If I'm well, not mistaken. let me check. Let me check something here because, yeah. well, there's a considerable viewing viewership difference. So Shop Around the Corner oh. has approximately forty-eight thousand people who have logged it on Letterboxd, uh-huh. and remember, Remember the Night is only around just over eight thousand. Just over 8,000. So, oh, see, very obscure, yeah. Yeah, so Remember yeah. the Night's definitely on the lower end of the spectrum. I feel as though Shop Around the Corner is much more well-known in all of the circles that I've ever been a part of. Mm, I we're, see, okay. okay. Your circles and our circles still don't mean anything. A little from, different? No, I'm, I, I'm, I'm, <laughs> I'm saying... The, the people, oh, just for context. Well, the people on Letterboxd yeah. just... They can't be considered the normal public because there there'll be movies that all three of us think are like just classic. Whatever, throw a genre out and say a movie, and people will be like, you know, if I'm talking to somebody who's not into movies and they only watch the new stuff, they'll be like, "What's that? I've never yeah. heard of that." I'm like, "Dude, this yeah. movie's like 30 years old. It's not even that old." Like, you, I don't know. Like, people know about the God. <laughs> they, they know about the Godfather, but they don't know about like something like I don't know. Uh, thief, or you know, right? Man, well, obviously, manhunter, obviously, stuff like that. When we talk about an adventure neo noir B film, we can assume that everybody's seen Down Twisted, right? Yes, <laughs> even us, even us. Oh, that's I've fantastic. seen it more than once. That's awesome. <laughs> Wait, Ben, you watched so, it more than once? Uh, I would say I watched it like 1.2 times because I. Oh, okay. Ma- okay. You went back and caught Make, parts. You, you went back. Yeah. Yeah. Making the episode, I went or making the little little bit of mixing I did for the music for for that podcast episode. I ah uh, uh, yes. I watched a little <laughs> bit more and I skimmed through it again and damn if I think my reaction to that my my original this is what kind of pisses me off uh, with this type of stuff when like a, a company like Amazon or whoever has these rights to these movies and they don't release the real stuff, like the real cut, like not pan and scan bullshit is I think yeah. I would have liked the movie a lot more if I would have seen it in full aspect ratio, 1080p. I think it would have instantly been like not a classic or anything, but I would have definitely. Would have enjo- been, enjo- yeah. Oh, it, definitely enjoyed it more. Definitely. Yeah. Would have made, yeah, would have made all yeah. the difference. Would have made oh, a I mean, yeah, I think it's easily a seven out of ten. If 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 you I get that. If you watch it the first time, the way it's supposed to be seen in a theater, it's a six or seven out of ten for most people. Like that's the low, that's the minimum. Again, like we were talking, oh yeah, not to get into that episode again and rehash things, <laughs> but schlocky, like Chris would say, schlocky things like that are aren't for everyone, but the target audience. Definitely, definitely gonna love it. Oh, they're yeah. definitely gonna like yeah. it right off the bat. And I'm just, yeah, I'm still yeah. just like, there's movies 
I mean, that that's a good example, but there's movies from the thirties and forties and fifties that still like, they're just not taken care of and they're not given the proper release. Like they literally have not had a proper release since their release date in in the thirties or forties, just because of whatever reason, the, I guess they're not money makers now on physical media. Right. So they don't, yeah. no, no one takes their, no one's going to invest their time and money to try to make money off of something. They think that's not, you know, Hey, it's not going to make me money. Why would I do that? I get that. Right. Yeah. It's just, it's, it's disappointing, but uh, yeah, back to remember the night. We had a long little tangent there, but <laughs> it's okay. I'm good with that. Um, I will say, yeah, this movie, not my favorite movie mm-hmm. of, Bar- of Barbara Stanwyck, but that is understandable. Yeah. I could, seeing I her in this movie, I'm like, damn, I'm on the Kevin train now, man. Uh, <laughs> do you see what I'm talking about? <laughs> she is. She is a gorgeous woman. I mean, she is. Woo! She is. It, it's just like, also, I don't know. I don't know what it is. I'm gonna, Okay, here we go. I'm going to like stand Stanwyck again. But uh do we, do people say st- still say that I, anyway? Anyway, never mind. But uh, yeah, I, I don't know. Like, there's something about her humor as opposed to other actresses who handle humor. It's like with her. I I, I said the same thing about. Jeez, uh, ah, I, I, now the name's slipping my mind. In Big Country, what's her name? Uh, Errol Baker. Wow, or Gene, Gene Simmons. Simmons. Gene Simmons. Gene Simmons. Okay. So in that episode, I say that Gene Simmons doesn't really have to do much of anything to capture to capture your eye, right? Same thing with Barbara Stanwyck. She doesn't really have to do much at all. You know, I mean, like, you look at... And I noticed this a lot more when I first saw Ball of Fire. But the way she does humor, I think she's probably one of the best in not only drama, but comedy. And, you know, what what works for me is subtlety. And when subtlety can hit you hard like that, it, it it's, it's just, it, it's amazing. Like, it, it, it's an amazing feeling. So, for example, in that, in the first court scene where her, her lawyer, her, the, the, the defense is over there just giving that really theatrical, melodramatic spiel about her. Which uh, I literally, in, in my second yeah. watch, I'm, yeah. that was fucking hilarious i thought yeah, that was it's hilarious that right? guy is ridiculous <laughs> like he's, he's like ridiculous. talking to himself honestly, and acting it out it was so funny yeah that's honestly this is gonna sound a little ridiculous in itself what? but i thought that was my favorite part of the movie oh really because <laughs> the guy goes he goes so hard goes into so selling hard. the story and it's sort of a riff on lawyers at the same time and yeah the gentleman who does the role he just he kills it. He goes all in, <laughs> all in. He goes all in. It's like you know, like best. Well, and, you, and, you get you get the award. And and you know what? And Fred McMurray's little quips and responses in between parts of the yep. monologue are equally as hilarious. <laughs> <laughs> They're great, right? And I see. Okay, really quickly, I just want to like tie that into what we said earlier about. Uh, Preston Sturgis's dialogue being cut up by Lysen. There might have been, I guess, in in a scenario like in, in a scene like that, maybe Fred had a lot more to say initially in between those cuts. It's a possibility. Um, but Lysen, again, like I had seen somewhere, if I'm not mistaken, uh, you know, redacted 
uh, some parts of it and pretty much just utilized Fred's more quiet nature. And see, I think it worked. If uh, Again, I don't know if he had more to say initially, but Fred is the way he handles quips and the way he says something really in such a punctual and short way, they hit home. Like they actually do hit home and they're funny. So it's like, yeah. I, I think in a scene like that, it, it works so well. Like what, what was Fred saying in that scene? I think, or his partner was like, man, he should be in the theater. And Fred's like, he was, that's <laughs> so funny. <laughs> there was one line. I'm going to have to look it up because there was one line he fired back and yeah. It was a killer line. Which one was it? I think I know. Uh, wow. I have to see if there. If, I have to see if it's in the quotes here. I'm on IMDb right now. Let me is, it, it's it's in that court scene, the initial court scene. It's it's in the initial court scene. Yeah. It uh, might not be on here for quotes. Is it uh, the line about hypnotism? Oh, it might be. <laughs> I know it, I know exactly which one that is uh but I forgot I forgot the order of the words uh I I just know that uh well, his partner was asking him like how do you know that and then Fred just looks at him and then kind of swirls his fingers in in <laughs> right in front of his eyes he's like hypnotism <laughs> just is, is that yes. the one you're talking about Chris is, is that I, it <laughs> I th- I think that's got to be the one because that's got to be the one Yeah I'm not going to find it here but nah, don't worry I totally totally agree with you Kevin it Yeah it's a great, it's a great moment, and it's a, it's Rick great. Murray, yeah. Rick Murray handles the lines so well, and he's he's built for it. Mm-hmm. And uh, again, like 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 what I wanted to say, uh, th- there's more about Fred McMurray's delivery of these, you know, very short and pertinent uh, words. But Barbara, like what I was saying about subtlety, uh, similar to Gene Simmons in The Big Country. So when her her lawyer is you know, doing the whole melodramatic theater major working on a final, you know, that kind of thing. <laughs> That's the way I first perceived it. It just kind of reminded me of all these theater kids in college who, you know, thought, anyway, I could, I could rail on them as long as I can, but I won't do that right now. But that was what the lawyer reminded me of. And Bar- Barbara's uh, reactions when the camera cuts to her and she's just over there grinning and smiling and then she just kind of like shrugs her shoulders a, a bit and I, there's something funny it's so funny mm-hmm. and it's so cute and it's just like oh my god it's just it's just really it's just so hilarious and at the end when uh, John Sergeant right Ben not Jack John, <laughs> never mind but she, he, uh, he, he he goes and finds a leeway to get the trial postponed until after Christmas. And you you see uh, Barbara Barbara Stanwyck arguing with her with her lawyer and saying, hey, look what you just made me look what look what just happened. If you hadn't talked so much, I would have been out of here. And it, that entire scene of me it might not have been funny to other people, but I thought it was so funny. And after yeah. you know after all of that she goes in and she's about to be taken and taken to jail and she stops and talks to fred mcmurray for a bit for a minute because her lawyer just told her don't worry you're gonna be in a jail cell and you're gonna have you know you're gonna have a nice meal and everything and you get to sleep that night and then she just looks at fred and goes he thinks i'm he thinks they're taking me to the ritz and <laughs> just the way he, the way she says that is just so i don't know I, I don't know maybe i'm overreacting maybe i'm maybe i love barbara stanwick too much but I don't know. It's just there's something about delivery 
with that simplicity that just hits home for me. I just I I loved it. I thought it was so funny. Just so funny. You could it's say like that. you could say you have Barbara Stanwyck blinders on. Uh, maybe I do. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> maybe I do. It's okay. It's no, okay. So no, I just thought it was so funny. Uh, no waifu but, posting, but, Kevin. Damn it. Hey, shut up. <laughs> <laughs> I got myself. Damn it. <laughs> I think this whole episode is basically that. I at think least it for, is, honestly. At least for yeah. Kevin. I think I've gone on for about 40 minutes already about this. <laughs> but anyway. But no, yeah. It's just, it's, yeah, just the way she handles herself in those scenes. Um, so, Kevin, yeah. are there any yeah. any particular? So, let's move from away from the comedy, I guess, and let's. Yeah. What are the yeah. hard hitting scenes for you? Okay, in this easy. movie, easy. So, so after all of that, you know, you you get through all the comedy and all the charm, and then the scenes, the movie smoothly takes you to uh, Fred and Barbara getting to know each other, and you know they're on like a little date and. Because it's Christmas, and because he bailed her out, uh, he decides to. They 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 each discover that they're both from Indiana. They're they're their characters living in New York. Fred is playing a lawyer in New York City, and uh, Barbara's playing a thief in New York City. But after talking for a bit, they happen to realize that they're both from Indiana. And not well far apart from it, from each other in Indiana, but they're both from the same town, uh, not the same town. Sorry, the same state. And so after that, uh, Fred decides to, uh, you know, because it's Christmas, take her home. Hey, you want to you want to go see your mother? And she she agrees. Like, yeah, I, I'd love to go. And so you know, from then on, you get through all the all the charm all like the silvery brightly lit scenes and when, once you get to the scene where fred uh brings her to her mother's house suddenly and smoothly there's that dark transition it goes from charm mm-hmm. and and joy and and leisure to uh Somber. Something very yeah somber. Not only somber, but I found it to be kind of sinister, because mm-hmm. you get to the point where they go up to her old house, and you see that Barbara's you know beginning to act a little nervous, and then she looks around, and then she nervously tells John, uh, "Hey, uh, I fell off that tree when I was twelve. and it's like, oh, okay, you could kind of get the idea of oh, hey, there's some trepidation here. And once you get to the front porch, you know, the house is entirely dark. There's no light until they Mm -hmm. knock on the door and then some stranger uh, lights up a a lantern and then makes his way over to the door. And it's very, it's suddenly, uh, you're like, wow, there's a huge change here. There's There's a huge total shift here. And that sinister feeling then becomes something of, uh, of as you said, Chris. It becomes very somber. Her mom comes to the front and looks at her, doesn't even doesn't even hug her, doesn't kiss her, doesn't even doesn't even call her by name. And from this point on, this is where you get the idea. Oh, I see why Lee Leander is the way she is in life. And as the scene goes on. Her mom 
begins blaming her for everything that she did when she was a kid. And mind you, those events occurred, or the stuff that she did as a kid occurred when she was a kid, oh, years and years ago. And she's still not over it. So she doesn't, exp so from that, right there, you don't even, you don't even need to know much of anything anymore. You know why Barbara Stanwyck's character is the way she is, why she shoplifts, why she steals, why uh, she just never had a, you know, a good life was because she never experienced some true, like true love and joy or a true, um, a true family. Her father died and her mom remarried and her mom never cared about her. And I want to also bring it back to uh, what we were saying earlier about Fred's uh, performance here. Again, um, there are scenes in this one where I feel that maybe Fred could have said a lot more, but he doesn't. And it's actually probably one of the smoothest uh, Fred McMurray moments where he saves her, saves Barbara Stanwyck from the, you know, all the sadness and all the unfair, all the unfairness that she's experiencing in that scene. And as her mom keeps railing on her, Fred just puts her, puts his hand on Barbara's shoulder and goes, just to let you know, we, I mean, I'm paraphrasing, but he just goes, just to let you know, we've got 50 miles left to go. I, I think we should, you know, leave. And <laughs> the way he does it is so, it, it's so natural and it's so smooth, and right when he says it, you're like, yeah, 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 let's do that, let's get out of here. And um, after that, uh, so Barbara leaves, she says goodbye to her mom, she's in tears already. And Fred's character uh, says a farewell to her mother, and he goes, well, it was nice meeting you, miss, and she replies, the name doesn't concern you. And Fred simply pauses and goes, no, it does not. And then he turns and walks away. So mm -hmm. in those scenes, I, in those scenes, I feel that maybe Sturgis had, he, he probably had a longer, uh, you know, he probably had a chunk of words for Fred to say to try to, you know, maybe hammer it down, get back at her really good. And it would have been great to, to see. But that simplicity, like that, uh, the cutting of, of that dialogue, which, you know, could have been there. He didn't need to say much of anything. Just saying, no, it does not. That is a burn. That was a total burn right there. And it hit, it, it, it struck pretty hard. And so, see, that, that I think was, uh, as you, to answer your question, Chris, that, that entire scene where Barbara uh, goes back to her childhood home. Goes that, back to her house. Yeah, exactly. That, that whole scene, uh, to answer your question. Um, that's certainly where the tone changes for the first time. Exactly, yeah. Yeah, absolutely. That's a big tonal shift for sure. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And as the rest of the film goes on from that point, the, the romance ticks up. But it's, yeah. it's, it's very much in smaller, sweeter moments mm -hmm. where that, that builds. Yeah, from that point when, uh, when, when they go and actually... And make their way to John's uh, family home to see his, his mom, his aunt, and his cousin. It, it feels so cozy. It, it, it becomes very cozy. And you see the look on Barbara's face when she finally experiences the, what's, what it's like to have a true family 
in those moments. And it, yeah, it's it's just so sweet. And then for modern, eventually, for modern comparison, I yeah. it reminded me a lot of the tonal shift between the loneliness and the the sorrow of Lee Leander's character, and how it transitions to what's his name, McMurray's character, uh, John Sargent. John Sargent, thank you. The, and then the transition to the Sargent family's Christmas. It reminded me a lot of. 1994's While You Were Sleeping with uh, San- Sandra Bullock and Bill Pullman. I haven't seen that I don't know if you guys seen that one. That's another sweet Christmas movie. Maybe not a uh, lot of people like that one as much, but I I like that one. And Christmas this movie... Gina. Yeah, yeah. And this yeah. movie reminded me of that one because you oh, have... Okay. The woman is the one who has the is the lonely one and sort of has the more mysterious background, if you will. And then she stumbles into the life of the guy who has the big, the big family or the family that takes, that takes the girl in. So some interesting comparisons there. And that's what made, that's what it made me think of, but both, both films very sweet in that sense. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And yeah. I wanted to ask Ben if he had. Did this movie think make you think of any other Christmas movies you had seen, or any other? I know you're not really a guy who watches a ton of romance movies, but. Hmm. Interesting. Uh did not think of that. Um, no. <laughs> no comparisons or anything. There probably there probably is some comparisons, but I not uh, trying to put you on the spot. Yeah, I just no, thought I'd I, ask. Because... No, that's fine. I, I mean, I mean, one of the comparisons I made right off the bat, seeing Double Indemnity first, was how different. How I mean, obviously the two stars are identical because you know they both starred yeah. in, the, in both movies, but how different the films are. Yeah, I, I just thought like, wow. I definitely think Double Indemnity is the better movie, in my opinion. But this right. this film, I I love their um, Barbara Stanwyck and, and Fred. Yeah, exactly. Fred McMurray's chemistry yeah. is just yeah. Was it was, were they the only two movies they were in together, or was there any more? Coming? No, they they, they they did. I think there there were two more that they did. There was one called All There's Always Tomorrow, and. Uh, that uh, that was much much later uh, in, in their careers, uh, but there's another one after Double Indemnity that I cannot put. I, I cannot name. I know uh, I I completely forgot what what it was. Um, but yeah. Oh well. Hang on a second. Uh, let me see. Let me see. Uh yeah. It's called The Moonlighter. Yeah. They they, they were in a film called The Moonlighter. They've and done four films together? They have done four films together, I believe, yeah. Uh, I might be wrong about that. But yeah, you know what? I'll they, check they that. Did... I'll try to cross-check that right now, if yeah. I can. Yeah. Yeah, so I'm not um, a... As Chris kind of said, I'm not really a huge fan of the romance genre. Yeah. But obviously there are plenty of films that... I would probably I I haven't seen that are probably extremely good, especially from this era. Anything in the 
you know, mid thirties to mid to mid fifties. I'm sure there's plenty of romance films that are just very, you know, under seen by the general public and probably need to be reevaluated. Um, Kevin, I mean, are mm-hmm. you, are there any other huge films with Barbara Stanwyck where, you know, it's, it's kind of more, more or less a romance that's, you know, is oh, it, more or less, a, uh, more or less a romance. Are, are, are there ones that are just fairly, you know, stand out with her in the main role or, or her you know, second build yeah. or whatever? Yeah. 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 Like, like the one that I mentioned earlier, uh, ball of fire, that one, uh, I think I, I might be, see, I, I feel like I might keep saying this in a lot of our, in a lot of our talks or a lot of our discussions, but I think ball of fire might be, it might be an overlooked film probably because when it comes to Barbara Stanwyck, people like to talk about double indemnity. People like to talk about the lady Eve and okay. So the the lady Eve is also a a good one that um, another fun fact. So again, as we said earlier, Preston Sturgis said that, well, wrote the film, but he did tell Barbara Stanwyck, uh, during the making of this of Remember the Night or maybe after that okay I am going to not only write another film but I'm going to direct this film and I want you to be the star of it that film became The Lady Eve Barbara Stanwyck's uh, probably one of her best screwball comedies but personally not my favorite at the moment my favorite uh, the, the one where she stands out to me a lot more so was Ball of Fire. So that one I can say, and also well, Meet Kevin, John. Yeah. I well, what, what, have I have confirmed that Fred McMurray and Barbara Stanwyck have only been in four movies together, and uh-huh. you named you named all four. I did, um, okay. little bit more background is Remember the Night, and so the, the most famous one's Double Indemnity, by yeah. far. Yeah, then comes yeah. Remember the Night. Remember the night is way lower than that. And yeah. then the last two they did are even more obscure. Very than, obscure. Yeah. Than than that. There's so there's there's always tomorrow has half the the views of, of Remember the Night. And then the Moonlighter, which was the second to last movie they did did together, is basically unknown. <laughs> <laughs> really? Cor- it's cor- an unknown cor- film. It, it has six hundred and thirty votes on it on oh my IMDb. goodness gracious wow that's it Jeez. yeah <laughs> wow Which, okay if, we, if you were to go on IMD, uh letterboxd uh-huh. the moonlighter might have more than 630 but per imdb that is the low man on the totem pole uh wow <laughs> that's unfortunate wow might not even be that good of a film well, that one's actually a Western. Uh, so That's ben, a Western? Ben, you might want to check that out, and uh, I'd love to hear your take on that, if that is a Western worthwhile. I'm your it's Huckle- Barbara Stanwyck, Fred, Mc- yeah. Fred McMurray, Ward Bond. Oh, hey, yeah. Ward Bond's in it. Yes, and Ward Bond's got to be in it. Give you a little plot summary. A cattle herder turned rustler runs from a lynch mob and falls again for an ex-lover. Which Sounds is, spicy. Barbara Stanwyck. Sounds very spicy. Well, I wish I was that guy. Oh, Never mind. Of, of course, of course, <laughs> you, have, you have Jack Elam character, big character actor in westerns. Actor is, is in that yes. too. Lazy eye boy. Yeah. I, my, <laughs> whenever I bring him up, my dad's always like, 
screw that guy. He sucks. And I'm like, <laughs> oh, he, he's one of my favorites. I mean, uh, I Jack Elam. I think you really a Jack Elam fan, uh, a Jack Elam movie. You you guys really need to like go out of your way and see. Hopefully, I'm not misremembering. Yeah. Well, one, he's in Pocket Full of Miracles, which we already brought up, which is another yes. Frank Capra film. So yeah, watch that. But one of my favorite westerns. From Henry Hathaway is Rawhide with uh, Tyrone uh, Tyrone Power uh, yes. and Susan Hayward. Uh, dude, Susan Hayward Ooh. is a, is another actress where I'm like, this woman needs to be recognized more. Like she is, I really like. I really think she's a great actress. Yeah, Susan I, Hayward. Yeah, yeah. You're not you're not wrong. You're I not re- wrong. I really enjoy her in that film and. She's right she's here. she's in a Gary Cooper movie with Richard Widmark called uh, Garden of Evil, which I think's pretty good, and um, hmm. she's in a Donna, a Dana Andrews, um, Brian Don Levy western Canyon Passage, also very highly. Ah, uh, yes, I've seen that. I've seen yeah. that one. I think that's Jax Turner. I don't know how to say his damn last name. Uh, <laughs> here we go with names. I don't even want to bring it up. It's, it's, Jax Turner. It's by that yeah. French guy. By that French dude. I just added well, Rawhide to my watch list. Oh, Rawhide is one of the best. That's definitely a top 50 Western of all time. Oh, okay. It is excellent. And it's, I think it's short. I want to say it's in the 80 minutes. Yeah, it's, it's, it's less, yeah, it's it, less, it's, it's less than 89 minutes. Yeah. yeah. When a Western, when a Western is that short, you know, it's compact and just like every scene means something. And I, yeah. <laughs> I love Guys, that. We got our second T-shirt. It's just going to say go. that film by that French guy. <laughs> that damn frog. Let's do it, Ben. Let's do it. Oh, anyway. and I, I do want to. Uh, I do want to highlight that this is our this is our 2022 Christmas movie. Or sorry, yeah, yeah our, our Christmas episode. This is our Christmas episode, and I am drinking a Christmas beer right now. What is it? How festive of you. Yeah. Uh, it's the Merry Christmas, Happy New Year ale by uh, Anchor Brewing Company out of San Francisco, Ooh. California. Uh, uh, very close to Kevin, kind of. Not really. But kind of. Kind of. <laughs> yeah, I, I really do like, I do enjoy this beer. And uh, every year they have a different, they have a different tree on the bottle every year. It's pretty cool. Really? Yeah. but Worth it, huh? Oh. It's, yeah, seek it out. I like Anchor and, and, and their most one of their most famous beers is the steam beer, Anchor Steam Beer. Uh, I'm not sure if you've had that, but regardless, all I was saying is this is a, fest- a festive, a festive episode, and I am being festive with it. Just letting you there guys we know. Go. There we go. We Even are though, recording yeah. on the twenty eighth, fourth day of Christmas. The fourth, fourth day, day of Christmas. Christmas. That's right. I was going to say Christmas My is my true yet love. For us. Barbara Stanwyck said to me. Hey, we're bringing it back. It's the, <laughs> it's, the, we're, it's the it's the singers, the singers podcast, not the searchers. God. Yes, <laughs> that's gonna now, be another you, T-shirt, right? Now, <laughs> the singers. I mean, Please. with a with a with a line through it, the searchers. <laughs> oh man! So have you guys? Have you guys? Either of you guys seen the original Cannonball Run? You mean w- no. w- with, Burt, with Burt Reynolds and Jackie Chan? Yes. Jacques, yes, I have. When I was a kid. When I was a kid, I saw it. It's been a while okay. though. Jacques, okay, so, Jacques Chan. 
Yes. So, <laughs> so the Cannonball Run movie, you're, are you ready for this? The mm. Cannonball Run movie has Jack Elam in it, and oh, he no he plays an insane doctor side character that... Of course he does. <laughs> yeah, because he has the face, right? So he has the... <laughs> He, he has the, the the look, the eye, the look, and he's got the eye that's moseying off to the side, and he's always holding like a a needle ready to do something to somebody, and it's fantastic. So he's got a nice little side part in that movie. You know, um, Jackie Chan, Barbara <laughs> Stanwyck, just common themes of the pod. Oh boy, common themes of the pod. On a t-shirt, yeah. Anything They're common the themes of life. Yes, common they are. Boom! <laughs> Boom! <laughs> well, and, oh my goodness. So I don't know where we were off of from that Jack well, Elam. We started oh, with Jack oh, Elam. And uh, then I, I, yeah, I was answering. What, ben, you were asking me about like what is a Barbara Stanwyck film uh, that in which he stands out really well. Is that, is that what you were asking me? Yeah, I mean, a romance one specifically. Oh, a ro- well, I mean, yeah. I you mean, did, uh, you did say Ball of Fire. I think you said Ball that. of Fire is a it's a good screwball comedy, but it, it is a romance. Yeah. Um, but other than that, I think it, it's that same thing with Meet John Doe, uh, which is also another favorite of mine. Not only a favorite uh, Capra, not only well, I mean either or, but not only a favorite Frank Capra film, but also an, another favorite Barbara Stanwyck film. She stands out in that film really well as uh, too, and if I if I remember correctly, I think when that film was uh, greenlit, or when she was asked to star in a, a Frank Capra film, and she's worked with Frank Capra a couple of times already, but, but even before then, she immediately agreed and signed on to work with Frank Capra because I believe she she said I would do anything to work with Frank again. And uh, meet John Doe, another another classic, and definitely worth your time. Uh, so that and Ball of Fire, there is a an early see with Barbara Stanwyck. There are still some films that I I really need to watch, and maybe I've been kind of weaning myself from watching a lot more Barbara Stanwyck films because it's like no 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 I I gotta I gotta let the uh, the, the tension build here okay before I get to the next Barbara Stanwyck film. But a lot of her films it's like already, pre- it, it's already an obsession, yeah. Kevin. You just gotta go uh, for it. That's very true. Yeah, I'm in denial. <laughs> but uh, but uh, thanks for telling me, Chris. But no uh, worries. But 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 there there are a couple of pre-code movies uh, that Barbara's in that I have yet to get to, and those are like Babyface, uh, Night Nurse. Um, there's a, there's a couple. She starred in a very uh, in, in a 1953 uh, version of Titanic, so pre-James Cameron, of course. But she was in. A, movie, a a Titanic movie. Uh, she was in a. There are oh man. See with Frank Capra, the, the, there's another film that I've been aching to get my hands on, and I can't. It's not on Blu-ray. Uh, well, I guess I'm gonna have to find it online. But it's called The Miracle Woman, directed by Frank Capra, starring a young Barbara Stanwyck. And there's another one that I own on Blu-ray called The Bitter Tea of General Yen. Another film which I think I have mentioned before on the podcast, Ben. Uh, when you asked me when we the topic somehow went to Barbara Stanwyck and then I mentioned the uh, the bitter tea of General Yen, and that's another early uh, Capra and Stanwyck film collaboration. 
but there is another film called Stella Dallas, uh, directed by uh, King Vidor, as you mentioned earlier. Um, and that was 1937, starring a young Barbara Stanwyck. Not my favorite, but definitely one of her best dra- dramatic roles. Uh, in terms of romance, though, uh, I can only name... Uh, my favorite one, really, is Ball of Fire. My favorite Barbara Stanwyck film right now is Ball of Fire. And uh, yeah, <laughs> okay. Well, that's that's going on. That's going on the top of the the watch list for me because I thoroughly enjoy Gary Cooper. Like, yes, yes, and, and also besides Fred McMurray and Barbara Stanwyck collaboration, uh, Gary Cooper and, and 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 yeah, Gary and Babs, they're great as well. They are a good. They're a good pair. Right after Meet John Doe, they did uh, Ball of Fire was released. Released both released in the same year. Two Cooper and Stanwyck kinos released the same year. Meet John Doe and then Ball of Fire. So yeah, I would I would recommend Ball of Fire. And maybe we could cover that. If not, nice. Okay. Yeah, yeah. Maybe, maybe Ball of Fire. I could be maybe, down for yeah. that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, Ball of Fire is uh, thoroughly enjoyable. But I don't want to hype it up too much. Uh, but you know, I hope you enjoy it. it I enjoy. I I enjoyed it myself. That was. That was where the love started, as you all know and probably have heard enough of. But anyway. All right. No, we can go on. We, we can we, go on and on. We can go on no, and on. Yeah, no, we're not talking about Barbara Stanwyck for like another two years. <laughs> <laughs> oh, he can't handle it. He can't handle it. Oh, God. Yeah. No. <laughs> but anyway, yeah, uh, I would recommend that one. I'm sure there are, I'm sure there are, there are other movies, but... The one that always comes to mind is uh, Ball of Fire. For others, it's most likely going to be Double Indemnity and uh, other films. I think for but, me, um, it's yeah. The Violent Men. The Violent Men? Oh, baby. And, My goodness, i got to get to that one already. Speak to me, baby. Yeah. <laughs> and that's because, that's because she and Edward G are just... Eddie G. Uh, chef's Kiss, Pinched Fingers... Really good, yeah. Salt really? Bay on the Salt Bay on that Blu-ray, you know. <laughs> <laughs> yes, Ben. Yes, I don't have the yes. Blu-ray, but I wish I. I oh man! Violent, it's on Blu-ray, the, uh, DVD, but oh, shit. the Violent Men is super. I, I mean, I think we've said it like five times on the podcast. Literally, uh, that movie is. I I put it on. One day, um, my dad and I are. You know, he's he he's always comes over my house since I have the projector set up and he's always, hey, let's watch a good Western or, you know, put something on that's good, whatever. So I put Violent Men on. And I was, you know, first this was the, my first time watching it was with my my dad and I wasn't expecting like. It to be great or anything. And by the end of it. My dad just yes. said, my dad just looks over at me and says. That was a pretty goddamn good western. I'm like, yeah, it was. Like, really? yeah, yes. And oh, that man. is yes. that is at this point that is canonized as a classic in my book. All right. Well, I can't wait to get to that one. <laughs> no, I, I, I need, highly I need recommend to give it a second it. watch. I need to give it a second watch. I think but it, it, it's, for- it's great. Have you seen? Uh, I know Kevin hasn't yet, but Chris, have you seen the Forty Guns with Barbara Stanwyck? No. Very, yeah, I own that one too. So that movie as well has 
Um, so it stars Barbara Stanwyck and Barry Sullivan. And he, uh, com- he comes to mind, again, I, I haven't seen many of his films, but he comes to mind as a a similar type of, not the exact same story with Fred McMurray, but another another actor who like probably should have more recognition for being he was a, he was not a star of a bunch of A-list films but he just has that he just has that, that, that he just has that that presence that reminds me of Fred McMurray where he doesn't need to act too hard to get a, his you know get his role across if you know what i mean it's mm-hmm. he's almost mm-hmm. very subtle um but effective so I highly recommend the 40 guns. It's not the best Western of all time or anything, but I think Kevin, for you, you'll, you'll, you'll obviously like Barbara Stanwyck because she plays like the 40 guns is a reference basically to her, uh, the guys in her employ. So she's, I think Mm -hmm. she, I, I, it's been like a year or two since I've seen it, but she plays a, another, you know, powerful woman, uh, Mm -hmm her and her brother are like basically the, the heirs of a ranch. And she's just has this reputation where she's just like notorious for being ruthless. And I, I, I highly recommend highly, that film. Highly recommend that. Okay. Well I, I own, yeah, I, she's like the matriarch of the whole, um, the whole thing. Okay. Yeah. I, I have 40 guns. I have the criterion. I have violent men, which she sent me. Uh, and, also, we'll see. Like another another one that I I've, I'm excited to see is my reputation, which is another which you have also given me. <laughs> Thankfully, I found and uh, given me to save on my computer. But <laughs> um, yeah, there's a lot of Barbara Stanwyck. There, are, she's she was in a number of westerns, and uh, I th- those are ones that I really need to get into as well. So, um, not from the sound of it. Ben, I think you've seen Barbara Stanwyck uh, in a couple more before uh, before I even uh, found her via Double Indemnity and and Ball of Fire. So really, so did you say as uh, earlier? Remember the night? This is where you you're on the Babs train. You're like, oh, I see what you're talking about here. <laughs> yeah, I yeah. I didn't notice it before. <laughs> I highly recommend anything with Barbara Stanwyck just because she always brings her a game to every yeah. role. Yeah. Um, yeah. The, like I said earlier, the, the furies and 40 guns and the violent men are all crucial watches, not only because of her, but because they're right. Great. They're good Westerns as well. They're good. Yeah. Right. I, I really do want to see. Um, so she was in a, a Western with Joel McRae called trooper hook. And it's like, I am not like minus the couple of cavalry um, westerns that um, John Ford made, I am not a fan of ca- cavalry re- westerns. That just not my mm. not my vibe. Oh, I, I don't. Not, so stuff like stuff like uh, like Fort Apache and she wore a, a yellow ribbon from John Ford yeah, and think, Rio Grande. Those yeah, I, I, I I love Fort Apache, but I got to get to the second uh, the, the last two. Fort Apache's the best. I, I like. Just in general, for whatever reason, I'm not a fan of the, hmm. the cavalry. I, I, I just don't. There's just something about it where, I, like the 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 U the U S troops thing. I it just it doesn't ring. It doesn't. doesn't uh, 
It does. It, it doesn't. It doesn't tickle your fancy. No, but yeah. yeah. So the one that uh, Babs is in with Joel McRae that I've seen is Trooper Hook, and I I would say don't even bother. Really? But, yeah, but she's in another one directed by Cecil B. DeMille that I've not Union seen. Pacific? Union, Union Pacific. Union Pacific, right? I, yeah, I, I have do. I have the Kino Lorber Blu-ray. I, I have it. I want to I want to see that another. She's in with that with Joel McRae as well. So yeah, I need Joel to see McCray's that. Great. And I, I also do want to see at some point her um, rendition of Annie Oakley, which is yes, that was that's the next one I was going to I have seen that one. What do you? I will like? sneak in here. I I liked it. It's been a long time. I saw that growing up. Uh, I I do I did like it. And then not sure if either of you mentioned. Sorry, wrong number, but that is the other Barbara Stanwyck movie that I have seen that I don't think you guys have mentioned yet. Oh yeah, I haven't seen that one. Uh, and sorry, wrong number. She co- she co-stars with Burt Lancaster. Am I correct on that? Oh, I can't remember if I'm mixing up my Burt Lancaster movies. Hold on one second. <laughs> hold on, please hold. hold <laughs> yeah, it is Burt Lancaster. It took me a second right. to, to, uh, I don't know why I couldn't remember that, but yeah, it's, that's, that one's a solid one too. I want to okay. see, I'll see that. I like, I like Bert most of the time. He's, he's a little yeah. over, he's a little over the top in some of his Yeah, roles, he's one of those, he's, he's one of those kinds of actors. <laughs> he's a physical beast, bro. <laughs> I, yeah, I, I love Bert. He's one of my favorites from he, the. He, Classic. He, he was not a physical yeah. beast in Atlantic City, but I think that is one of his best roles. Of, of just have you, have <laughs> you, you seen? Are, I have, I have seen Atlantic City. The thing with we're gonna we could go on another tangent, and maybe we should do a Burt Lancaster episode one day. Oh, we'll, co- we'll, co- did, we'll cover something. I already got one I'll, off the pipes, man. The thing with Burt is Atlantic City is a great role. But I could probably throw another seven roles he did on top of that. Oh, that I think no, that I, I think he's superb. I was just saying that he that, does so well. That that's just one where he's not a physical beast because he's like old as shit. But oh, fair <laughs> enough, fair enough. But yeah, he's he's I, older there. He's in the twilight of his oh of yeah his days. Oh, he had to be close to seventy in that movie. I would I would guess. Um, it was early '80s, and he died in '94. I can't remember how old he was. So he I was, he, he, and he wasn't his. He wasn't his '70s then. He was probably in his '70s. Yeah, early '70s. Yeah. But no, I think one of the movies I will pick in the next, just to give the spoilers to the listeners, one of the movies I will pick in the next couple, you know, two three months for us to cover will be The Professionals, uh, with okay. him. Nice. Lee, him, Lee Marvin. Woody uh, Strode. Yeah, Woody Strode's in it. Um, the other guys, he, I'm blanking on him, but uh, the bad guy. Oh, uh, Jack Palance, he's in that. Oh, Jack Palance. Yeah. Hey. So, we got, yeah. Do we have to look up his name, too? Is it Palance or Palance? I'm going with go. Palance. Palance. Is it really? I don't know. I'm, just, just, I'm saying you, that. You That's how I'm doubling, saying just, it, boy. You know, you're just doubling down on it, Ben. <laughs> I've, hey. I, I've always known him as <laughs> I've always known him to, as Jack Palance. Hey, the, just... hey there, Pilgrim. Oh. We're going with Palance. <laughs> oh boy. I'm gonna make it my I'm gonna make it my job to uh check pronunciation. We can we yeah, can yeah. we cannot pronounce names, guys. Sorry. 
put a disclaimer like, at the beginning of the podcast. Like Stanley, Stan, Stanley Kubrick. You hear that? Kubrick. Kubrick. <laughs> I really never knew that. It was I, know, I didn't know that either. I had no idea. Kubrick. I know. I know. In all my years. In all my years. <laughs> I have always in been these, saying Kubrick. In these 30 years. <laughs> yes. So, so do we have do we have anything else we want to say about Remember the Night? I yeah, guys. I, oh yeah, go on, Ben. How dare you interrupt me, sir? How dare you? No. All I, I was gonna, all I was going to say is before we rate this thing, uh-huh. I was on the bleaker side. However, after speaking uh-huh. speaking it through with Kevin. Yeah. Uh, even though we went on a lot of tangents, I I do I've warmed up to it. So ah, there we go. I will let I will let Kevin say what he was going to say, and if it has to do with ratings, go for it. Uh, but we'll rate this yeah. thing in a second. I was gonna uh bring up well, okay. Well, th- th- I I just wanted to say just going back to like Babs Kino, there is a very early John Ford film called The Plow and the Stars. I think that's how you say it, Plow and the Stars, but. It starred a young Barbara Stanwyck, and I think it's not a, it's not great, but I think it's a very nice uh, little early um, Stanwyck feature. Uh, so I would I, I I wouldn't say that I highly highly recommend it, but I recommend it. I think it's uh I think it's it, it's kind of cool to see them in uh in their early careers, both Ford and and Stanwyck. But anyway, um, with Remember the Night, uh, I give it a, of course I give it a ten out of ten. Um, you know, it could be a little, of course, yeah, it could be a little bit lower, but I, I just love, I just love the sweetness of that film and see, look, I wanted, I wanted to get more into, uh, just that transition because when you, when you watch the film, we already spoke about the first half where it goes, it transitions from all the joy and all the laughter and all the charm and it becomes more sinister and somber when you see Lee Leander uh, meet her mom for the first time in years and it's just the most unfruitful thing ever for her and then from there it transitions back to that to not the same kind of love and joy that you see in the first half of the film but it it brings it up to an even higher level because this is the moment when she meets Fred McMurray's family that this is the moment in which she this is the the kind of thing that she wished she had and not only not only the kind of thing that she wished she had something that she had never experienced in her life and is finally experiencing for the first time so she recognizes the value of family and after speaking with fred mcmurray's mom she recognizes the value of hard work of individualism of basically you know pulling yourself up and and going through life uh, you know just striving to get towards where you need to go where you need to go and it's from like those values of it's so interesting because you know she of course everyone knows she falls in love with john Sargent. john Sargent also falls in love with barbara stanwick's character so it's sort of a it's a dichotomy it's a romance between the lawbreaker and the lawgiver and the problem with that is is that uh, John Sargent's mother has told Lee that, you know, it, I know that you're in love with him, but look at what, look at what he's been doing his entire life. He's been working since he was a kid. He's been working 
even when he was in school, after school, he would drive trucks or uh, deliver things. And he worked his way through college to become the lawyer that he is now, owning a really nice apartment in New York City and driving a nice car. And if you go through with this and, you know, eventually marry him, this is not going to bode well for his reputation as a great district, district attorney in New York City. All of that work would have gone to waste. And the funny thing is that John doesn't care about that. He only cares about, you know, being with her. And yet she cares about John so much just as he does. But she, because of the values installed in, into her by, by John's mother, she takes responsibility for herself for the very first time and says, no, I care about you and your reputation and your future. I don't want you to be with me. And see, like, just the way that all culminates uh, in the very end, it's, it's so creative yeah, and it's so poetic. And it's like, wow, okay. So I think about that more and it's like, I, I can't rescind my 10 out of 10, honestly. Yeah, Bula, Bula Bondi's character, who plays yes. Jack Sargent's mom, she she has some very tender moments with both he and Babs mm -hmm. at mm -hmm. at different points in the movie. I honestly I I can't remember which moment she has first, but she does have a nice line or moment with her son when she says. Do you remember when you took my egg money I was going to buy a new dress with and how hard you worked to pay it back when you later understood? And he says, you made me understand. And she says, mm -hmm. no, dear, it was love that made you understand. Right. So it, it, it's moments like that that are that were definitely highlights. And and really, the whole film to me felt like a giant aside. And what I mean by that is in what I've seen from the thirties and forties from films in the thirties and the forties, mm -hmm. a lot of them have these sort of moments apart from the main plot where the characters will have a little side adventure or come across of, you know, characters of some sort. And this whole movie sort of felt like that to me where Babs and Fred McMurray, they're going they're going to his family's house for Christmas. And mm -hmm. the movie's so sweet in its tone at that point. It that's that's what the whole movie felt like to me. So it yeah. was it was really it was really cool to see it and feel that from this movie, even though I might not be in love with it mm -hmm. as much. Definitely not as much as you, Kevin, but yeah. it's it's something it's something that I really appreciated while watching it yeah, felt different. Yeah. It felt different in that way. And it stands out to me in that way. Mm. And I like it for that reason. Yeah, definitely. I, I feel like, uh, just looking back at it. I mean, I, I, I liked it from the get go. And initially I had given it four out of five stars my first time. And then I thought about it more and what I had just described uh, in terms of, uh, basically the, the ups and downs that the film goes through these tonal shifts and eventually seeing how, uh, you know, that kind of sweetness that, uh, results from this dichotomy between lawbreaker and lawgiver and with Barbara Stanwyck's character with, with Lee, not knowing love, joy, and romance ever in her life. And finally receiving it and feeling it for the very first time when going to, uh, 
John Sargent's family and spending Christmas and New Year's with them and taking in those values to realize that, no, I shouldn't be with you. But then, see, I don't want to spoil it too much, but, you know, when, it, when you get to the very end and you see the, the pact that they... The, the the pact that both characters make with each other it's just yeah it's like one of the sweetest things that you could see on film and i guess this might sound redundant and me saying this might sound redundant might be redundant in and of itself uh with all these episodes that we've done so far but the end it's kind of hits that point where you're like i don't know exactly how to describe this in words i don't know how to describe this verbally the best thing to do is to see the film because film as an emotional medium communi- communicates that feeling and you're only mm-hmm. going to understand it once you see it mm-hmm. so my yes. words it, with the ending are not going to do it justice honestly and where i ended my description of that you know i'm going to have to end it there because i i don't know how else to tell you uh, the best thing to do is to actually watch the film to get what i'm trying to what i'm tr- you know what i'm trying to tell you so boom yeah watch um, the film yeah watch the film <laughs> yeah and um i was going to say also just going back to uh babs and christmas kino uh she she did another uh, christmas film called christmas in connecticut it's not i recommend that too <laughs> honestly but i it's probably not as uh not as hard hitting, in my opinion, as as remember the night. It's more of a fun. It's a more of a fun romance, a fun screwball. Uh, and partly, I think it's not like the greatest thing ever because of the male lead. Uh, forgot his name already. Uh, but Babs shines very well in in Christmas in Connecticut, and I would say that's also a good um, Christmas film to check out um, every year. I've been meaning to see that I one. Remember that. You mean, yeah, I think I think you'll enjoy it, Chris. I think you'll enjoy it. Is Dennis Morgan the lead? Guy? Dennis Morgan. That, that's him. Yeah, that that's him. That's him. I just don't think as a lead, uh, right next to Barbara Stanwyck, I don't think he, I don't think he meets her at the same level. Like the way Fred does, the way Gary Cooper does. They mm-hmm. like them and Babs. They're pairing together. They meet each other on the same exact level. But when you have Babs and Dennis Morgan, Babs outshines him like so hard so hard like he's just he's just kind of the funny like the funny guy he's not he, he's pretty charismatic too but i don't know the, i don't it's think different. the chemistry with yeah it's different it, it the the aura is just very very different it's not the same as gary cooper uh and babs not the same as fred mcmurray and babs uh so yeah but i, I would still rec- yeah I, I would still recommend uh, christmas in connecticut which i'm sourced to hey look again christmas ain't over for, for us yet uh, no, it's not. You no, know, it's not. So I'm gonna have to watch that too, either tonight or tomorrow. I'm not sure yet. Um, I'm kind All right, of so, in, yeah. So you're you're at a ten out of ten, Kevin. I, I I am, yeah. The the full five, otherwise in letterbox. That's right. Ben, where are you at? Oh, I was at a five out of ten, but. Since since talking about this, I, I've I'm round I'm not rounding up. I am deciding to increase my score to a six out of ten. I okay. It's not my favorite favorite movie of all time. Favorite, not even my favorite Christmas, obviously, but not not my favorite Christmas movie either. But I do think it has its merits. I do think it's 
poignant and I think it's not the typical type of Christmas movie you get uh, out mm-hmm. of Hollywood. It's not, you know, at the end, it is not a, like, sorry to spoil, it is not a happy ending. It's, I mean, it's semi-happy, but it's not like semi-happy, a... Semi-happy, yeah. It's not a Hollywood ending. It's like, oh, crap, like, mm-hmm. there, this isn't, you know... It or is different thing. in the way in the it's way that different. it's a wonder, it's a wonderful life never actually shows us the the wanted demise of Mr. Potter, right? Yeah, he never <laughs> yeah. he never it just ends with him on the about to make a phone call to the police to arrest mm-hmm. Jimmy Stewart's character. We we never mm-hmm. hear from him again. So that that film was very different in that way because you never you never know what happens to the villain there. And here you're, you're also right, Ben. It's different because the ending isn't entirely happy. It's, it's more of a partial happy. Yeah. It's a yeah. partial happy. It's a bit, it's bittersweet. It's bittersweet. It's bittersweet. It's bittersweet. Exactly. It, but that's what makes it so interesting. And so, and so like poetic in a way, because you know, the, the, the two characters make a pact with each other and, it solidifies the the romance, and I don't know. For me, I think it's a it is bittersweet, but it's also quite happy because you see two characters promising uh, each other something. And uh, yeah, I, yeah, I, like I don't that know. I, I thought, yeah, I thought I thought it was yeah. beautiful. I thought I thought it was great. Really quickly about what it's a wonderful life. Interesting that you brought that up about Mister Pot about about Mister Potter, Chris. Because yes, yeah, uh, that's right. The last. Uh, the last time you see him, he's calling for George Bailey's arrest. But when it gets to uh, the point when George comes back from uh, that journey with his, with his guardian angel, you just you just immediately forget about Mr. Potter. At least I did. I completely forgot about him. I was like, forget yeah. him. Like, screw him. Yeah. You see how insignificant and small he was. And it's like, well, that that's amazing how like I just completely forgot about this character like right then and there. I'm like, wow, okay, that was good. So it's, it's a, like it's, it's amazing. A, it's a great it's a great contextual device. Exactly. In, yeah. And how and how it makes Potter exactly as you said be small in the grand scheme of what the movie's trying to tell you. Exactly. And it's like yeah. he plays a he plays a prominent element in in, in the film. But then you realize, oh yeah, forget you. <laughs> and, Bigger fish to fry. Yeah, exactly. In a way, it, in a way. That that that's amazing. It's just amazing how that can happen in in, in film. And uh, so, yeah. agreed. Speaking agreed. speaking uh-huh. of fish to fry, Chris, what is your yes. what is your rating, sir? So I'm right in the same boat as you. I except I know I didn't originally. I was not at a, at a five. I was at a six the whole way through. So just about everything we've said, everything we needed to say, I think about this movie, maybe not for Kevin, but maybe not. (laughs) The the only other aspect I want to mention is Sterling Holloway. Yeah. I was going to mention that too. (laughs) Who plays cousin Willie, right? He's the cousin. Cousin Willie. He, uh, he sort of didn't really do it for me. So, (laughs) <laughs> like he, he was some, annoying or like he uh something about him something about his demeanor he, his, uh, 
he completely creeped me out. Yeah, I understand. <laughs> so, I'll, be here I understand. To sing. I'll be here to sing with you next year. Yeah. yeah. So I, like- I can totally, I can see how he's, I can see how he would be charming, mm-hmm. but, and I, I think I normally would find him charming, but so just totally threw me when I, when yeah. I sat down to watch this movie and, <laughs> And that's the only other comment I want to make. So, you know, if you if you're a fan of Sterling Holloway, I'm sorry. I do appreciate <laughs> I, I found out after I saw this movie that he voiced Winnie the Pooh. So right. That's right. So, yep. uh, I do like him as Pooh. And he's done other he's done other Disney voices. I guess he did. He also did Ka from the Jungle Book, oh, um, which is basically an evil Pooh. If you listen to the voice. <laughs> so. <laughs> <laughs> so there's that but yeah so i'll give a little shout out to sterling holloway uh dude creeped me out his voice and his face like the, just that mixture it does yeah it's, he, it is yeah, it, it is, is, is a cool. mixture and and yeah. i can i can maybe see how someone would find it charming maybe <laughs> but it 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 threw me for a loop and those are specific points off for me there, there on him. Yeah. <laughs> i get it i well, get it with that, we're doing something new. I'm I'm enacting it now. We're gonna have a searcher's score for oh, a movie. Man. So the the oh, searcher like the, the searcher's score for Remember the Night is a seven point three out of ten. So solid. We solid. Will, okay. I like that. We will be so doing the average score. Okay. Yeah, but we will be doing that from now on. And uh I think a seven point three is pretty good compared to just in general. If you if you're just thinking about film, I, I think most films are going to be lower than that. So, yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, okay. not, I mean, not most films that we cover. I'm saying most films in general, most, with, right. with just taking averages of what people think. You know, of people you people you like. If you like their reviews or their or their opinions, I think a seven point three between the three of us is pretty good. So, yeah, I agree. I agree. So, okay, on, so you're just taking the average. Okay, yeah. So on that note. I think this is your last chance before we have to close out, Kevin, to to, oh to, to worship Babs. Anything else to say? Oh, my goodness gracious. Anything else to uh, bring to the altar? I'm sure that it'll be brought up in future uh, Searchers podcast episodes because I feel that there's still more Babs Kino out there for us to cover if you two do decide to join me on that journey. Um. Uh, Oh boy! I, do. I don't know. You're yeah. gonna have to, you might you might have to twist my arm. Oh well, I did bring a ball of fire. I'm like, hey. <laughs> but uh, yes, I love Barbara Stanwyck. Sorry, I'm sorry. You're hearing it once more, again, right now. I love Barbara. It can Stanwyck. never be can never be too much. Simmer yes, down, simmer never, down there, it boy. Be, it can never be too much. Uh, I don't think I will then. But, <laughs> but now uh, there, laddie. But yeah. I, <laughs> but um, I, I do have a okay. Okay, I'll bring this up. I didn't. I didn't think that I'd bring this up, uh, but on Letterboxd, I do have a list, and it's called Standing Stanwick. <laughs> I don't even know if people still say I stand this, I stand that anymore. But it was during I just that did, time. I just said it a day ago or two days ago in a oh, review. You, you and did? I, and it, oh, really? And I never. But I never say it, so I could be out it. of the loop. Okay. Okay. I could be out well, of the loop with the kids. So uh, I got you. So uh, yeah, I know. I don't know what the hell kind of slangs out there right now, but I can tell you, I'd never use the word extra 
like they do or whatever the hell. Anyway, I do have a list called Standing Stanwick, and uh, I rank uh, the films of Barbara Stanwyck that I've seen. And um, yeah, uh, right now, Remember the Night is... Uh, so I've only seen eight Stanwyck kinos, and right, right now, Remember the Night is at number three. And number two would be Meet John Doe that we mentioned earlier, and then number one, Ball of Fire. So uh, there are still uh, a few more that we, I have yet to discover, and maybe you guys will discover them, just discover them with me. Uh, but uh, Barbara Stanwyck is my, my favorite uh, actress of the golden age of Hollywood. Uh, I know for a lot of people, they would probably be, be saying Grace Kelly... Uh, Audrey Hepburn. Uh, who else? Boo! No. No, <laughs> I, I love. I li- we like them. <laughs> yeah, yeah, we like them. Um, but I don't know. For me, Barbara has a sort of charm. There's a sort of, there's just a sort of vibe, a charisma about her that really captures me. And it's 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 amazing how that happened when I've when I first saw Ball of Fire, which was the second time I've seen Barbara Stanwyck in in a film. Um but it's amazing how how that happened. And I guess when it comes to watching films, that that's a moment that'll uh stick with me. So yeah, maybe you, dear listener, will join me on uh <laughs> loving Barbara Stanwyck as well. So, I mean, find you something I mean, uh, to love as much as Kevin yes. loves Barbara Stanwyck. Exactly. Re- remember find the sta- someone <laughs> Remember the well, Stanwyck. Maybe there might be another shirt that says find you someone who looks at you the way Kevin looks at Barbara Stanwyck. <laughs> that's it. That's, that's, that might that's be the it, right? ticket. That's, that's a ticket. The there ticket. we go. There we go. And okay. We'll, and we'll well, leave, we'll leave you with that. <laughs> we'll leave you with that, people. <laughs> well, Merry Christmas, people. Merry Christmas. Merry Christmas. And a happy new year, guys. Hell yeah. And uh one last thing. In the new year, you will see we already recorded Chris and I covering a Japanese Yakuza movie. So that'll be interesting. A little oh bit, boy. a little bit different than uh, "Remember the Night," but <laughs> still, just a little bit. Still, Kino kicking okay. off twenty twenty three with a little obscurite. Hell yeah, that's what we're all about. <laughs> all right, gentlemen. All righty, folks. Until next time. to the searchers podcast if you want to hear more of our thoughts on movies you can find us on letterboxd ben at giant 13 chris at ziglet underscore mer and me at kevin chan find us on spotify and apple podcasts and on searchersfilmpodcast.podbean.com until next time people